0: So this morning, um, I just wanted to share uh, a message with you guys. If you guys want to turn to the book of Genesis with me, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 15. We're going to kind of camp there for today. And as you're turning there, I just, you know, we live in a day and age where performance is everything. You know, whether you work a job, whether you're in a relationship with a friend or, you know, a lady or a dude. Um... Social standing, social status, it it is based on our performance, our success, what we've done. Uh, The problem with this is that we end up placing expectations on ourselves to maintain that, right? So I have a job, which I actually love, and it's a job focused on metrics, production. I work in a call center, so my success is based on how many phone calls I'm taking how many customer um, satisfaction surveys I'm doing well and um, and quality based on you know am I meeting the standards that the Hartford has set forth it's very easy in that type of environment to look at the numbers that are assigned to me and really base my value on that and you know what there's kind of a truth to that because in that environment yes I should be performing well if I want to do well we can't deny that but is my overall value is who I am, Ben Bailey, a result of any of that? No, it's, it's not. And, you know, it goes saying in any other job, whether it's metrics-based, whether it's, you know, sales-based, or whether you're just, you know, trying to get a job done, we have to do our jobs and we have to do them well. You know, the Lord called us to these places. We should be faithful to do well. I mean, our work is a worship. Please don't misunderstand that but what I'm trying to put forth is that your work is not ultimately going to define who you are your work is not going to say what your value is your ministry if you have a ministry or you want to have a ministry is not going to define who you are and I think today um, as we look across the landscape of this country um, in the world and in the church we see this a lot Um, we've come to a place where Churches are growing quickly. Churches are trying to grow quickly. Um, and, you know, they're looking at attendance numbers. They're looking at who's serving where. Are we meeting ministry standards? Do we have people to serve in kids' church? Do we have people to agree? And if we're not careful, we're going to end up creating an environment of performance rather than relationship. That's We're here for relationships. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we're here for relationships with each other and the Lord. And this is, the, this is why Jesus coming to us is so radical and so different and so countercultural. Because he says in Matthew 11, 28, and 30, I know I said Genesis, sorry, but I'm just going to shoot this out there. He says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He was coming to a people burdened by law. He was coming to people burdened by religious performance, sacrifices, giving, alms, giving to the poor, uh, you know, all kinds of things. And they were burdened by this law. But what people forgot then and what people forget now is that God's promise to us, his covenant, and ultimately his provision is not dependent upon us. At the end of the day, God is going to bless you whether you fail or whether you succeed. Because it's not about the performance. It's about the hearts of the heart of man. Only he knows the hearts of men. And when we give our lives to the Lord, it's transformed. It's changed. It's his. So with that being said, Genesis 15 is the account of Abram, um, descendant of Noah. And what we're going to read here is basically um one of uh, god's first communi- um conversations with abram about the covenant he's going to make with him we'll just start in chapter uh verse one and it says after these things the word of the lord came to abram in a vision fear not abram i am your shield your reward shall be very great but abram said oh lord god what will you give me for i continue childless in the air of my house is Eleazar of Damascus and Abram said behold you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir and behold the word of the Lord came to him this man shall not be your heir your very own son shall be your heir and he brought him outside and said look towards heaven and the number of the stars if you are able to number them then he said to him so shall your offspring be and he believed the Lord and he counted it as righteousness the Lord spoke to Abram, and he made a pretty big promise at this point. He's going to make him a father of many nations. And Abram believed him. That was it. And the Lord counted to him his righteousness. The thing about this is, is before this moment, Abram was not a man who followed God. You know, he was... I believe he was actually considered a pagan man who worshipped the moon or a, a lord of the moon or something like that. So it wasn't even God, our God, you know, the one that we know in the Bible. It was a completely different thing. He was considered a pagan and to our standards. But yet here God is speaking to this man and giving him a promise of a multitude of nations that would be, come from his offspring when he was a million years old. I mean, that's ridiculous. But yet God chose him. Abram did nothing to receive this blessing. He did nothing to receive God's favor in this moment. He is rich in mercy and rich in grace. He's, gr- he's rich in love. And I think it's important to remember this because just like Abram, we also did not worship the Lord at one point or another in our lives. I know for myself, I was raised Presbyterian. But by the time I was 16, my dad asked me, do you want to go to church or don't you want to go to church? I was 16. I wanted to sleep in. I didn't go to church. You know, when I had the option, I slept in on Sundays and ate burgers for breakfast. Um, So, you know, I did not follow the Lord. And Paul kind of speaks to this truth in Ephesians 2. uh, He says, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated uh, us with him in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift from God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And this is a gospel message that people separate Old Testament, New Testament, New Covenant, Old Covenant. But you got to understand that even in the Old Testament, God's grace, mercy, and love was still at work. His gospel that we know now was still at work back then. It never changed. So when we look at the story of Abram and this promise he was given it, it it takes my breath away a little bit because it reminds me too that I'm an heir to the same promise to be a child of God to be blessed by Him whether I deserve it or not. But who knows You know who kind of understands that on any given day any given circumstance will come and we're going to forget. Right? You know I know for myself, this past week was was the worst, not really the worst I exaggerate, but it was the worst. Um, you know, I found out that I had to blow 600 bucks on brakes. I hate to spend money on cars. absolutely hate it. If there's one thing I hate to do it's to put money into a car. really do. I would rather ride a bike if I didn't have to work forty minutes away, but we had to drop six hundred bucks when we didn't have the money, and it's just one of those things where I'm like, God. Ooh, sorry. God, what's going on here? But like that's the thing. These circumstances come, and it's like it could be the smallest thing. Like, my kid won't go to sleep. And I'm like, oh Lord, why have you forsaken me? My kid's not sleeping. <sighs> but we got it. We understand that this isn't actually true. And if we go to actually if we skip over to Genesis 16 real quick, we're gonna kind of see a similar circumstance for Abram and Sarah. Sari? Sari? Is that how you said her name? Sarai? I don't know. So, uh, skip to Genesis 16 real quick, and uh, we're going to start right in sh- uh, verse 1 again. And what we're going to see here is a moment where Abram was given a promise by the Lord himself. The Lord came to him in a vision, and he said, this is going to be. And it's a pretty epic promise. It's not like, hey, you know, live long and prosper. It's like live long and prosper and then like a multitude of nations will do the same thing under your name. Um, And it says, Now Sarai, Sarai, how do you say that, Mike? Help me out. Sarai, Abram's wife had borne him no children. After this promise was made, still no children. But she had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And she said to Abram, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant it may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to the voice of her, Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian her servant, and gave her to Abram for her gave her to Abram her husband as a wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. Ten years is a long time. Got to give him. I mean, yeah. I mean, if I had received a promise like that, and it's been like ten years, I'm probably be looking at my watch too and my calendar, and saying, "What's the deal?" But I think what's most important to note here, and the thing that stood out to me the most, Abram listened to the voice of his wife. He was pressed. Nothing had come to fruition, and his wife spoke, and he listened. Now, granted, men, what I'm about to say does not give you an excuse to not listen to your wives. So please don't say, Ben told me not to listen to you. So shh, that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that we are imperfect people created by a perfect God. And in this moment, there were no children. Nothing had come forth. Nothing had come to pass the Lord had promised. They got desperate and said, I want a child. I want a child. They wanted children. They wanted children. So they figured out a way to do it themselves. In that moment, when he was faced with an impatient wife, and he, he was probably desperate himself, you know, it doesn't really say, but I can imagine after 10 years, you start to get restless, a little shaky, like, come on, let's get going. He forgot, and he did what his wife had asked him to. We cannot forget the truth of God's character and the promise of his word. This is where we actually place our hope. And we got to understand one thing about this whole situation is that, yes, Abram messed up. He, he bore a son named Ishmael, and that's where we actually get the uh, uh, religion of Islam. So there are some consequences, I would say, uh, to this action. But there's a difference between uh, um, consequences and condemnation. So we got to understand that when we make a mistake, when we sin, when we fail, as Christians, we're probably going to have to face some consequences. I've faced plenty in the past three years. But we are not condemned. We're not done. We're not finished. Because the Lord's covenant never changes. We may change. We may make mistakes. But the Lord's covenant never changes. And actually, uh, the author of Hebrews kind of touches on this a little bit. Uh, it's Hebrews chapter 6. And uh, the author states, So when God desired to show more convincingly, convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchanging character of his purpose, he guaranteed with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things, in which is it impossible for him to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner places behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. It, his, God can't lie. His word is true. His, His promises are true. His character is true. We can place our hope in that. It doesn't mean we're going to screw up sometimes. It doesn't mean that we're going to get hopeless every now and then. It's we're human beings in a crazy, crazy world that seemingly out to get us. I'll be honest with you. There are days when I'm like this, this, this world is out to get me. I'm going to go home and get into my blankets and eat some bonbons. Mm, It's still Easter, chocolate, peanut butter, eggs. But we live in this, this day and age where it's like extreme grace and extreme condemnation. Right? In the church, we see it all day. It's like, well, there's grace for all of your sins. Well, that's kind of true, but that doesn't give you an excuse to go off and, you know, write a book about it. And then there's these guys um, who say, you know, you're going to hell, you know, but that's also true. But in the middle is Jesus, and he says, you were going to hell because of your sins. But I came so that you would be forgiven and that all your sins would be washed away, past, present, and future. We forget that one. We forget the future, especially in the moments when we sin. I know that's true for me, especially because when I make a mistake, uh, especially when it's consequence, like you know, it hurts my wife or something comes up where my children are affected, I'm heartbroken. And there are days when I'm like, God, how could you even love this mess? But that's not the truth. His truth never changes. So what we see here is Abram totally dropping the ball completely and utterly dropping the ball but that never changed anything if you go to Gen- Genesis chapter 17 we're going to see this play out and it's we'll start in verse 1 again when abram was 99 years old the lord appeared to him and said to him i am god almighty walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly still saying the same thing he said before then Abram fell on his face and God said to him behold my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations no longer shall your name be called Abram but your name shall be called Abraham for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make you into into nations and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Wow, I mean that speaks for itself, but the thing about it is Abram fell on his face. He had a posture of humility, because he had just done this, he had bore a son. Not only did he bear that son he cast it out of his family ishmael and his mother hagar went off to do their own thing because basically what happened was sarah got very um resentful towards her because hey you kind of you know knocked boots with my husband even though she said it totally messed everything up as it normally would so they kind of screwed them off and uh but yet here is God saying this still that my covenant is everlasting with you and your generations and I will still multiply you and I will still make you fruitful. I will still do all the things I said because I am God. Just take a minute and just let's just think about this. I um I have struggled with some pretty hard things in my life. Um, I'll just be a little transparent if you don't mind. I have struggled with purity issues in my life. Um, And for those of you that don't understand what that means, it's basically, that's a very fancy Christian word for adult content on the internet. Um, The thing about that is, is it's it's deep and it's dark and most people want to hide it. I have come to the conclusion in my life that I refuse to do that anymore. Um... You know it started when I was very young and I've you know it was it was a a process of habitual things that led to an addiction very early in my life and when I came to the Lord thank God he's helping me to work through these things every day am I perfect I am NOT I'll be first to admit it and I, I do apologize if that makes you uncomfortable but let's call this what it is sin we are all sinful human beings I'm sorry, uh, you know, if that hurts your feelings, I love you all enough to tell you the truth. We all sin in one, for me it's one thing, for, you know, for you guys it might be something completely different. It doesn't make one thing worse than the other, but we need to realize that we are sinful human beings. When we look at the landscape of our own lives, if if our lives were a book and each chapter was a year of our life, how many of you people would want to read it? I would not, like, I'm very happy with my life now. I love my children. I love my wife, and I'm so thankful for what the Lord has done for me. But for the past 26 years, I would love just to, like, burn those chapters up. I honestly would because it was some of the darkest moments of my life. I made some of the biggest mistakes for my own. Um, Fortunately, I was single, and, you know, it didn't affect my wife. But uh, they're still there, and I still have to sit. uh, I have to wake up every day and look at those and say, God forgave them anyway. God decided that in his love and mercy, he would wipe those sins away. And he still decided to give me two amazing, beautiful daughters that make me smile, that make me laugh. I look at them, and some days I just want to cry. And a wife that's faithful and loves me for who God created me to be and forgives the things that aren't that great. I got it pretty good. And... uh you know I would I'm sure you guys feel the same way, so when we look at the story it it's almost reassuring that on those days when I go into work feeling like a butthead and I act like a butthead sometimes, or I just have you know struggles and temptations, the Lord is still faithful. His covenant never changed because Jesus Christ came and lived the perfect, sinless life. He came and he went into the desert for forty days and forty nights, he was tempted by the devil to be given a kingdom, to be given power, and to be fed under his own power. But he knew the truth, that there was a way for him that was set before him that the Lord had made, and that was not to be changed. See, when things get hard and we get pressed as people, we want to dig our own trench. We want to dig our own foxhole and start throwing grenades. And then we want to try and charge those battle lines. But sometimes we're meant to hold, and that stinks. But it's the truth, and honestly, there's a reason for that. I've learned that in those moments where I have to stand still, the Lord is teaching me something that I'll never forget. Some of the greatest lessons that I've learned and some of the most humbling moments came when I finally stopped and let the Lord do his work. The gospel message is unchanging. From the Old Testament to the New Testament, it might have a different context, but it's the same message. The Lord loves His children. He desires to be in a relationship with His children, and He desires to shower us with mercy, love, and grace. Every day. And that won't change. For us, it was because of Jesus Christ. Again, He came down, He died on a cross, and He said, It is finished. What is finished? Everything before Him. He started a new covenant. Same God, same promise. It's all his work, though. Again, you know, we still are called to work for the Lord. Our work is worship. Every day, our relationships are worship. Our life is a worship. And we should be faithful out of our faith and out of God's love for us to work hard. The difference is that work doesn't define you that ministry doesn't define you none of these things that we do defines us God defines us as children his children as his priests and priestesses 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 you get it all that the word says that we are is true and we are defined by the word by the Lord as he said it his Holy Spirit has come to us to remind us of this to guide us into this and hopefully when we miss it to repentance see the thing about abram was he messed up but he was known as a friend of the god friend to god because of the heart that was inside of him placed in there by the lord when the lord came to him after his transgression what did he do he got flat on his face he got prost- pr- prostrate i could really mess that word up That would have been awkward for all of us. On the ground. He was on the ground because he knew the Lord was there. And where the Lord was then was holy ground. You know what I mean? When an angel came to somebody, they told them the person was to remove his shoes and to be, you know, to get, boom, on the ground. Because an angel of the Lord was there, the Lord was there, and that was considered a holy ground. But now, everywhere you place your foot is holy ground. It's everywhere. Everywhere you are, the Holy Spirit is with you. It's holy ground, and we should be treating it as such to the best of our abilities with everything that we have. So whether it's, you know, a friendship that you're struggling with and you got to have breakfast with them, or if you're working a job that you just can't stand, I'm sorry to say it's still holy to the Lord, and you're there for a reason, um, especially with relationships, you know. In my job, I've been there for five years. I just got my email the other day. Congratulations, you've been here for five years. Have an email. I'm like, thanks. Um, for the first three and a half years, I can honestly tell you I struggled greatly because I'm a very career-oriented person. When I got out of college, I started working at a bank, and I found success. I found raises, and I found people were lifting me up. You're on the fast track for success. Fast track, fast track. We're going to get you there. I poured five years of my life uh... sixty hours a week into that job only to be fired and I was, <laughs> honestly I was done I was just done because I had put so much of my stock into my career how people viewed me as a bank representative how many loans I was underwriting how many accounts I was opening up how many people were saying the name Ben Bailey that was what was most important to me and when that was all gone I was gone. I was a mess. I was broken, and I fell apart. And I can honestly tell you that's when I finally found the Lord, when that was all gone because I had just submerged myself into work. And so when I started this new job, the same thing happened. The first three years of my life uh, at the Hartford were a struggle because, again, I just did well. You know, I love to do jobs, and I like to do them well. And I fit right in, and people were saying my name again. But I was getting passed up for opportunity after opportunity. Like there, were no, there was nothing that was really coming to pass for me. And I was getting frustrated again. And honestly, I'm not naturally a cheerful person. Um, only by the grace of God do I have any type of like optimism. But it's there, I promise. And, you know, I started to get very, very down on myself. And I started to think, what am I even doing here? I can't even move forward in this company. What good am I? You know? Right then and there, I had pigeonholed myself into an employee of the Hartford, and that's it. Forgetting the fact that I was in school for ministry, that I was in a church, and growing, that I had a family at home. None of that mattered at that moment. At this moment, I'm an employee of the Hartford who's getting passed over for opportunity after opportunity, and I it affected my work. It affected my relationships at work. It even you ask my wife, it affected my relationship with her because I had no purpose, seemingly, and. You know, I can honestly say that there is a happy ending to that. I actually work there now, uh, where a job that I absolutely love, um, and I have opportunities coming left and right. But at this point, I have a decision to make. Do I fall into my cycle where it's like, Hey, Ben Bailey, come on, people, say my name. Shower me with praise and money and all kinds of things. or, Or I can look at it as a gift from God simply because he loves me and wants me to prosper. Do my best, take the opportunities that are given to me and make the most of them. The choice is mine, and, you know, I'm praying every day that I make the right choice. Even when I don't, because I won't, you know, I'll have those days. The Lord still forgives me, and I'll come to Him humbly in repentance. He will be faithful, even when we're faithless. So... Going forward, you know, I'm a big fan of how do we respond. I know Tony says it all the time, but I'm a big fan of it too. If a message has if a message has been preached and you don't know what to do after it, I kind of have a feeling you kind of didn't get something out of it. So, you know, I think the most important thing we need to realize is, is that we need to be close to the Lord. He's already close to us. He's already come to us. But it's our job to be with him, whether it's through prayer or through word. Through the word or whether it's through fasting or any one of the disciplines laid out in the Bible. You know, we are called to be with him and we should do our best to do that every day. I need to put down the video games. I don't know what it is for you, but uh, I'm playing NBA right now. Uh, I created myself on Xbox and I'm having the season of my life and I just would I would just rather play it. But we got to put these things down and take a minute to be with the Lord or more than a minute. You know, it's so important that if we're going to have this type of relationship with the Lord, where we understand his gift to us the best that we can, we need to make that effort. Secondly, and I'm, pff, I feel like I'm a pony's broken record, but repent, 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 repent. Repentance is so important because we are going to make mistakes. It's the act of repentance through the gift and grace of God that brings us, you know, washes us clean. It's hard because that message can go two different ways. Our repentance makes us better, or is it God's gift that makes us better? It's God that makes us better, the God that washes us clean. But we still have the responsibility to repent because it's humility. God desires to humble his people so that Christ can work through them. If it's us, and we're pushing us, and we're like, yeah, da, 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 then you know, it's going to be hard for Christ to show through. But when we act out in humility when we choose to humble ourselves and let the Lord humble us Christ will shine brighter than ever before because it's not about you okay good nobody wants to kill me it's not about you it's not about any of us it's about this is all about Jesus we are here to shine the light of Jesus Christ so if that means that uh, you know we have to repent for our sins or if we have to let go of some of the dreams and desires that we've had so be it so I just want to pray for you guys. Mike, would you just come up and uh, play some pretty music? Um, you know, as I was doing, as I was writing this out, and even this morning, I envisioned it as a dance. I'm not a professional dancer or a good dancer, but I know when you see a good dance, those two people are like in sync, right? They're like they know who's moving where, who's doing this, who's doing that, who's doing a little bit of this. It doesn't matter. It, they're in sync. And I kind of picture that relationship with the Lord. Mike's going to kill me because he wrote a really beautiful song like that. So I'm going to ask him to sing a song that he wrote about that. Um, And he can't say no because you're all here and we're in church. So um, I want to give you guys a chance to respond in your hearts because ultimately I can say a million different things and you can say amen and go preach it, Ben, and stuff like that. But if your heart's not changed at the end of the day, none of it matters. It's between you and the Lord. Everything you do is between you and the Lord. So I want to give you guys a chance to respond in your hearts. So Mike's going to sing a song. And let's just reflect. Don't worry about it. Just reflect. You can sit. You can stand. I want to open up the altar for you. If you feel come to get on your knees at the altar, please do so. Um, But let's just take a minute to respond.
1: Well, like Ben was saying when he ambushed me into singing this song, uh, I wrote it about how the fact, you know, when when we're saved, Jesus invites us not to just, you know, work with Him on Sundays, but to live life with Him. And the body, you know, the, the Bible uses the picture of uh, marriage, you know, between Christ and the church and how we should live. And... uh I wrote this song thinking about, you know, the first dance that you do as husband and wife, you know, with, between Christ and the church. And that's the symbolism kind of in the song, so. there oh, it goes. I stand before you and all that I know comes into question I made my vow to you and you alone Here in this moment I finally know what it means to be whole You look at me And take my hand Dance with me Won't you dance with me I have waited dance with me I'm clumsy One flash My heart beats In time with yours Dance with me Won't you dance with me I have waited Song of all songs. Won't you dance with me? I can feel you breathe as you hold dance with me I have waited for so long move with me for eternity and my heart will sing the song of our songs Won't you dance with me Come and dance with me
0: My prayer for you today going forward this week and every day for the rest of your lives, is that you would see this as a beautiful dance between you and the Lord. And even when you lose Steph, and when you lose his hand, that you would know that he's right there waiting for you to pick it right back up. There is nothing you have done or will do that will change any of that. Nothing. And I pray today, Lord, that you would just speak to the hearts of all of us today. That your love and mercy would just overwhelm us. And that we would know that you are our Father and we are your children. Father, remind us that you are near to us. Show us your presence. Give us your eyes to see the way you see the world. Give us your heart and that it would break over sin, over the state of the world today. Father, because we are called to be here with you, but also to shine the light of your love. And lastly, I just pray that we would walk out of here today not being the same as when we came in, but that your Son, Jesus Christ, has changed our hearts and transformed us just a little bit more into his image. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.